So we're going to start off in Matthew 18, 15, and um, just three verses. And then, interestingly enough, we'll read it, we'll go through what we have to talk about this morning, and then at the end, we'll read it again so that it makes even more sense, hopefully. Matthew 18, verse 15, the Bible says, Jesus says, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the, the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. In other words, treat them with a lot of love still. <laughs> We're not talking about shunning somebody. We're not talking about anything. But treat them as you would someone who... Uh, is refusing to hear counsel, but still love them. Love them with all your heart. So, um, now, after reading that, listen to the title of this message and see if you can dream up any level of connection between the two. Um, the message of the sermon today is something to be passionate about. <laughs> and at first blush, you probably... Think of the scripture that I just read and wonder where on earth would you get any level of passion out of this, this instruction that's given here. So I'm going to read this at the end of the sermon again and see if, if we can tie it back to this concept or this, this theme of something to be passionate about. Think about in your life just for a second. What are you passionate about? What, what arouses your passion? <laughs> Sometimes it could be angry, uh, angry passion Sometimes it could be enthusiastic passion. But you know what? You and I, we need to be passionate about something. <laughs> there is nothing than living a blah life that you don't have anything to look forward to. There should be something in your life that's uh, important enough to get angry about, that's important enough to get excited about, that's important enough to look forward to. All right, God created us to have some level of passion in our lives. And what I've seen in my life is recently, he's been raising more and more passion about certain things. And I want to read to you from the Bible some of these things. And I want to see if it doesn't elicit a little bit of passion in your life as well. If the switch isn't flipped a little bit, and you say, yeah, that's exactly right. I, I'm passionate about that, or I want to be passionate about that. So let me share with you some things that God has been stirring me. Do you ever get stirred up, all right? And you're, you, you want to go do something about something, all right? You don't want to sit around anymore. Let me share some scriptures with you, and they might be somewhat in kind of a shotgun approach, but just let's, let's just study these and look at these together. Jeremiah 23 Four. And this is, by the way, today's is kind of like in a devotional style. Let's just kind of meditate. Let's think about the things that we read about this morning. Jeremiah 23, 4, it says, uh, the Bible says through prophet Jeremiah, it says, I will set up shepherds. Again, this is Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 4. I will set up shepherds over them, over God's people, in other words, who will feed them. And what will happen when people are fed? They will fear no more. 
they will not be dismayed, and they will lack nothing, says the Lord. Wow. That gets me fired up because I find that when God feeds me, what happens? The promise is I'll stop being fearful, I'll stop being dismayed, and I'll stop living in lack. I'll stop being missing a lot of stuff in my life. What does it mean to, to be filled up? You know, the reason, the only reason, well, this isn't true. One of the reasons we should be coming to church is for God to feed us. That is one big reason why I come to church is I need to be fed spiritually. Now, let me tell you what. God places a plate of a banquet plate in front of me. But who has to pick up the spoon? All right? I got to pick up the spoon. All right? God, unless you're an infant, isn't going to spoon feed you. He requires you to put forth a little bit of effort to crack open your Bible in the middle of the week, to whisper a prayer to God on your own without being prompted by someone else. Feed yourself. But you know what? God ultimately feeds us. He gives us a banquet every day. And he says, hey, wake up a little bit early this morning and let's go for a walk. Sit down. Curl up with your blanket before you get dressed. Sit on your couch. Pull out that Bible and receive some richness from the Word of God. Study it. Spend some time listening to God. So this, this element of feeding, is, it brings passion to me. I want to be fed of God because I know what it's like to be empty. I don't like being empty. What is emptiness? Emptiness is depression. Emptiness is, is hopelessness. Emptiness is, is a, a lot of different things. I don't want to be empty. I want to be fed. And it says... If these shepherds will feed their flocks, they will have no more fear. You know what? I'll, get, I'll tell you something that gets me going is seeing people have panic attacks. Oh, I wish I could do anything to help people not have panic attacks. I would do anything to help somebody exit out of their anxieties. I would do anything to help someone stop worrying. I would do anything to help you and me stop being fearful. God doesn't want us to be fearful. He doesn't want us to be ruled by anxieties and panics and phobias of people that can't leave their house maybe or, or they're so terrified of getting in a car or they're terrified of heights. All these things that cause fear. You know what God wants to do? He wants to drive all fear out of us. And that gets me passionate. I want to see all fear. You know what? So much of what drives our behavior is fear. It's a hidden fear somewhere in the back of our mind, and it drives our behavior. God wants to. How many times does the Bible say over and over again, don't be afraid? That, that, gets, me, that gets me riled up. I, I, not in a bad way, in a very good way. Let me tell you something, just a real quick pointer. Fear comes when you live by your feelings. I've, I've found that in myself. Fear comes when it's always, I'm always going by how I feel, how I feel, how I feel. You know what? God doesn't want me to live by how I feel. He wants me to go by the truth of what he's telling me. See, the Holy Spirit's constantly whispering into my soul the truth of God. 
And I've got to believe that truth of God and stop believing my feelings because my feelings lead me astray. But what else? If someone is fed, they're not going to be dismayed. What is dismayed? Well, it's all the D words in the Bible. All the D words. Discouraged, depressed, despairing, dismayed. All right? (laughs) What's the opposite of discouragement? God wants you to be encouraged encouraged. Have you ever been going along, negative thoughts going over in your mind over and over, and all of a sudden one little encouraging thought seems to slip past all the discouragement, and you finally can take a deep breath, and all the weightiness is off your shoulders, and you feel encouraged, encouraged. Here's another one that I struggle with, being overwhelmed. Do you ever feel overwhelmed by life? All the to-do list, all the things I'm not getting done, all the things I wish I could get done, that's being overwhelmed. And God, instead of being overwhelmed, he wants you to feel confident. Confident. Not in yourself. Self-confidence is not the way that I'm talking. I'm talking about God confidence. My God will help me. My God will strengthen me. You're confident in the Lord. David says in the Psalms, you have been, O Lord, my confidence since youth. Let God be your confidence. Or or depression, instead of depression, having joy. Instead of despair, having hope. And so if we're fed, it pushes all that dismay out of us. And then the last one is is to be lacking. All right? If I'm fed, I'm not going to be empty anymore. I'm not going to be lacking anymore. And... uh, so I, I, because of lack of time, I'm not going to go into that one. But many of us feel lacking. We don't have enough. You know, Our health isn't enough. Our money isn't enough. Our relationships aren't enough. And God says, when I feed you, you're not going to be lacking for anything. Isn't that encouraging? So receive from the Lord. These things right here get me passionate. I was thinking about this, this scripture here. This makes me passionate. Does it do something in your heart? Does it flip the switch a little bit in your heart? All right, let's read on in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 4, that's in the New Testament. And kind of the second, uh, the, the, the last fourth of the Bible, if you will. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, I'll read it to you. It says, um, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. And he says, to Christ, so Christ himself gave Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Five different kind of, uh, not positions, but purposes, all right? What did he give these to? To equip his people for good, good works of service or works of service. To equip. God wants to equip you. Have you ever felt ill-equipped? I've felt that way at work many times, feeling, you know what? I am not good enough to be doing this right now. <laughs> I, I can't do this, God. I'm not good enough. I'm not experienced enough. I, you know what? God says, I want to equip you then. I want to give you everything that you need for life and for godliness to get done what I've called you to do. He equips us, and that elicits a little bit of passion in me. Because I want to be equipped. I want you to be equipped. I want us to be equipped for what God's plan is for our life. He says, for works of service. Oh, man. You know what? I don't need to to create the purpose for my life. God has already created the purpose for my life. I just need to discover it. 
It's like digging up gold. When I discover the very thing that I was born for to do, oh, that's going to be exciting. That elicits a little bit of passion for me. All right, and it goes on. It says, people, uh, his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. What's the body of Christ? Well, it's referring to the body of Christ. It, the Bible refers to the gathering of believers as the body of Christ of which Christ is the head or the leader. All right. And so it says to be built up. Well, this reminds me of a scripture where Jesus said, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail. I'm going to build my church. Guess what? I'm not building this church. You're not building this church. Jesus is building his church and we need to be tuned into him. All right. And so it says, uh, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the unity of faith or in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God. Let me talk, tell you something that gets me fired up is knowing Jesus, knowing Jesus. I don't want to know about Jesus. That would be head knowledge. I want to know Jesus in my heart. Through life experiences. You say, why do I go through so many hard times? Why is life so tough? Why do I have so many trials and tribulations? Why does this person do that to me? And this person doesn't help me. You know what? God's trying to teach us something about God through that bad experience. Through that bad experience. So take every experience, both good and bad, and let it teach you more about who God is. And how much he loves you. And how, what his plans are for your life. And so it's an experiential knowledge of the Son of God. And I want you to pause just for a second. What do you know about God, your God, through your experience? What do you know about him? Think about that just for a second. That's riches right there. Is your knowledge of God through your experience. What he's brought you through. What miracles he's done in your life. But it goes on. It says... Okay, I'll read it kind of from the beginning until we reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Here's something that gets me fired up as well. <laughs> as you notice, it seems every other word gets me fired up. But as I was reading these scriptures, it produced a passion in me. But you know what maturity is? It's being able to cope with life. Being able to cope with tough situations without having a complete breakdown have you ever had a breakdown? I have, all right? <laughs> Remember once curling up in my closet and crying uncontrollably, all right? I know what a breakdown is like. So this isn't a condemning thought. This is an encouraging thought. As we mature, we can cope with life more and more and more and more and take on more and more and more. You think, I don't want to take on anymore. You know what? The closer you get to God, the more mature we get to be, we can cope with the things of life. And life doesn't push us down. Instead, we start walking on top of life. We stay on top of life and be, instead of being under life. All right? It says, um, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And this has been a truth that's blessed me just beyond all measures, probably one of the, the biggest epiphanies I've had is as a Christian, I just need to receive from God. I need to be spiritually selfish. God, give me more and more and fill my cup, Lord, because I can't fill it myself. 
because I can fill it full of mud or I can fill it full of Jesus. <laughs> and so I need to be full and I need an ongoing, continuous infilling of God into my life of hope. I'll tell you, a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling pretty hopeless. I was, and I, I prayed on Monday morning. Do you ever have the Monday morning blues? All right, I don't have those as much as I used to, all right? But Monday morning was not my favorite day of the week. It's probably my least favorite day of the week, all right? Wake up Monday, and I was feeling a little bit hopeless, and you know what I said? God, I'm an empty cup. Fill me with hope. And I'm telling you, a matter of minutes, God filled me with all kinds of hope, and I was geared up, passionate, ready for this, for this week. I've been struggling a little bit with a lack of confidence, all right? And so I say, God, fill me with confidence. And he starts filling. See, you just, you need to be filled with all the fullness of Christ. We don't want to be empty. We want to be full. And that's something that gets me very excited. And it, it continues on. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there with every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceit. All right. This is something a man told me once, a Christian guy told me, he said, you know what? God ultimately doesn't want to talk to us as infants. He wants to talk to us as spiritual adults. And I thought about it with my kids. I didn't know any different when they were little, but saying Gugu and Gaga was all right for about four years. But at some point, you want the kid to grow up and you can have a decent, intelligent conversation with them. All right, now that my daughter's 18, my son's 20, we have these wonderful conversations where we're on par with each other and it's, it's an engaging conversation. It's an intellectual or exciting conversation. God feels the same way. He doesn't want to be constantly, come on, little guy. <laughs> You're 20 years old. Stand up. Let's talk a little bit. God wants to have adult conversations with us. And we need to grow up and begin to have those wonderful conversations with God about His kingdom, His purpose, what He's driving towards. That produces a certain level of passion within me whenever I think of that. But it goes on, it says, blown back and forth with every wind of teaching, the deceitfulness. You know what kills me is when people buy into the lies of the enemy. They buy into the lies of the enemy. A little whispered lie... All right, I'll never forget this lady. Uh, she told me. Um, she, uh, no, actually it was her husband that told me this. This is a long time ago, somebody that you guys don't know. Uh, he said that his wife had told him, she had just given her heart to the Lord, and her, his wife had this thought, what if I don't serve God? Just, just a thought, just a random thought entered her mind. It was a lie, and she struggled for the next 15 or 20 years following God. Just because of one little lying thought fluttered into her brain, and she latched onto it, and she struggled for almost two decades as a result. What lies are you and I listening to that we don't need to listen to anymore? Say, enough's enough. No more lies. I want, it, I want the truth of God because the truth will set me free. Lies bind us and tie us down and, and keep us down, but the truth of God unlatches us so we can soar with eagles. I recently, for the first time in my life, saw a blue jay, beautiful blue bird flying. And as it 
flapped its wings. It looked like, like blue dust. I don't know how to describe it. It was really cool. And I thought to myself, you know what? If there's anything I could be, if I were to, I don't believe in reincarnation, all right? But if I were to be reincarnated into something, I would be a bird, all right? Because <laughs> I want to fly. I want to be free. I don't want any more lies in my life. What lies are you listening to? What lies are you listening to? And say, no more. I'm not listening to that anymore. I want the truth of God in, in, my, uh, in, in my heart, in my mind, all right? And says, instead, speaking the truth in love. A lot of people speak the truth, but not in love. And a lot of people love, but they don't speak the truth. <laughs> but if you put those two things together, a match made in heaven, a match made in heaven. I have this, uh, we have this system at work, and, uh, and it's a system of being able to tell one another the truth about how well you're performing, all right? Not a boss relationship, but across the board. If I'm working with somebody in another department, I have the chance to tell them if they're doing a good job or not. So the excuse in rolling this out was that people would constantly say, I just want to preserve my relationship with that person. So I don't want to have to be open and honest with them. And you know what my answer is to that? Hogwash. You're not preserving any kind of relationship if you're not being truthful with somebody. That's crazy. You've got to be open and honest if you're going to have a decent relationship. Can you imagine me and my wife if I, you know, I'm not telling her what I really feel? Eventually, that's going to come out, and it's not going to be a pretty sight, all right? And so I push myself. It's hard sometimes to express myself to her, but in a loving way, <laughs> all right? In a loving way. And and that preserves our relationship. I'm sure all of you guys can totally identify with what I'm talking about. So it says to speak the truth in love. That the platform of friendship is a perfect place to express truth. Not every nitpick, everything. But, you know, if, if there's big ticket items, express truth in love. Well, that's tough. But you need to have enough passion to be able to do that, right? It's, it's not an easy thing to do sometimes. But it goes on. It says, we will grow. We will grow when we express the truth in love to become in every respect a mature body of him. Listen to those words, of him. Who do I belong to? Do I belong to myself? Do I belong to my boss? Do I belong to my wife? Well, I guess in certain regards, yes. I belong to God. That's what that word redeemed means. He bought me. The Bible says this. He bought me with a price. Therefore, he owns me. God, the God of the universe owns me. Therefore, I need to honor God with my body. Honor God with my thoughts. That's part of my body. Honor God with my hands, my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my facial expressions, my actions, reactions. All right? I'm of him who is the head, that is Christ. I need to be in full submission to Jesus. I can't tell you the number of times. I remember once walking into the office where I work in. I was walking up the stairs and I told God this. I said, God, you have total control of me. Whatever you want to do, you do it, God. Whatever it is, just do it. And I remember having somewhat of a spiritual breakthrough after that because I came under complete and total submission to God. You do it your way, God, not my way. You know, that is going to produce a passion in you that you may have not had recently, is that full submission to the God of the universe. 
He gave it all for you. Why can't I give all that I am to him? Why wouldn't that? Wait, isn't that an appropriate exchange? All right. So it says from him, the whole body joined together in every supporting ligament. And it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. All right. I've got more scriptures than we're going to be able to cover at all, but that's okay. I'll just read a few more, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be done. But here, here's a, a good one, and I and I as I read these, you're going to see a lot of them about pastors and shepherds. And you say, "Well, Steve, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a shepherd." Yes, you are. Yes, I am. You're a pastor. You're a shepherd over those that you love and you care about, over those that you work with over anyone who looks at your example or you have some level of influence over. You're a shepherd, therefore these scriptures apply to you. This killed me in Jeremiah 10, 21. All right, it says, The shepherds are senseless. They do not inquire of the Lord, so they do not prosper, and all their flock is scattered. Now, picture me as a dad. I have four kids, and I'm senseless. I'm an idiot, you know. I go do dumb things, and I destroy my family, and my flock is scattered. Can you imagine my kids just, they, I'm not caring for them, so they're just spread out all over the place, and they never come home. I never see them. And you know what? I don't want that to happen. They're, they're my kids. They're my family, all right? And, and I, because God has placed me as pastor here, I don't want to see that for you either. This is our flock. We're a family. We're one here. I don't want to see us scattered or, or unduly tortured by lying thoughts or fearful thoughts. I want us to be free, free from those things. And so I better not be senseless, and I better be inquiring of the Lord. What is, sense, what is senseless, or what's a, maybe an antonym of senselessness? It, it would be... Uh, uh, Common sense. I better display some level of common sense and not just do goofy things. All right? Common sense is, it's uncommon, right? They say uncommonly common sense. <laughs> we need to use our common sense sometimes. Do things because it's the right thing to do, not because it doesn't feel right, but because we know it's right. Uh, having sense would be to have wisdom. Listen to God, a, a sense of, a spiritual sense about us. What is God saying about things? An inquiring of the Lord. And so I encourage you to meditate on this scripture. Inquire of the Lord before you may do something. Inquire of the Lord before you say something. Inquire of the Lord before you make a change in your life. Inquire of the Lord. Ask him, God, what do you want me to do? And if it takes 10 days for him to answer you, wait 10 days. Put it on hold until you know that you've heard from God. Until you know that you've heard from God. Here's another one about shepherds. 1 Peter 5, verses 2 through 4. I get pretty fired up about common sense, about wisdom, about inquiring of the Lord. This is something that produces passion in me. But 1 Peter 5, verses 2 through 4, it says, Be shepherds of God's flock. Every one of us has a flock. Every one of us has a flock that's under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. 
And this word serve definitely produces passion in me. There's, have you ever taken a personality profile like test before? You know, it's a Myers-Briggs or this or that or whatever. There, there's one out there that's a real simple one. It's actually one of my favorite one. It's called a DISC profile, D-I-S-C. And the D is for that domineering, driving person that's going to go make things happen in this world, all right? The I is for the inspiring person, the person that gets people fired up and excited and let's party, you know, let's have a party and gets people just all excited. The S is a supportive person. They always support and they're kind of quiet in the background, but they support. And then the C is for the cautious, analytical person that's very careful. C for careful, all right? Well, I won't tell you what I am because it doesn't matter, all right? What I've found is God wants us to be equal in the D, I, S, and Cs. He doesn't want you to be just one big old huge in one area and nothing in another area. He wants to shore up our weaknesses and work with us in those. But anyways, my point is this, serving that S. I used to be ashamed of the S because I want to be a leader. I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I want to do the other. But the fact of the matter is in me is it's just to serve. <laughs> I actually like serving. It's, it's part of who I am. And I've come to accept that and love that. God wants us to serve. Not leaders, servant leaders. Amen? That's what he's looking for. And that, that produces some passion in me. Find your place of service and serve with all your heart. It'll be the most fulfilling, wonderful experience you've ever had, and you'll just want to do it more and more. Not lording it over these people that God has entrusted to you, but being examples. Being examples. All right? See if I can cram this into three more minutes here. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 11.1. Paul says... Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. <laughs> Some of us might say, that is terrifying. Because <laughs> what if I trip up? What if my example isn't everything that it should be, which it won't? We always, we all, I mean, we're just imperfect people, right? But Paul says, follow my example as I follow that of Christ. You know what? We need to, in some respects, forget who's watching us and just do things for Jesus. You know what? Jesus, you said to do this, I'm going to do it. So if my focus is on Jesus and what he's telling me to do, I'm not going to trip up that often. And my example is going to shine by itself. It's going to shine by itself. What kind of example? Well, in 1 Timothy 4:12, I love this scripture. It gets me passionate. It says, uh, Paul speaks to his his spiritual son, Timothy, and he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you were young. Well, that's pretty hard. If you've ever been young, which we all have at one point, right? Uh, we get into a leadership position, and we're young, and people are older than us, and we're telling older people what to do. It's a kind of nerve-wracking. He says, don't let, let people look down on you young. Instead, set an example. Set an example in four places. Listen to this. Set an example in your speech. Set an example in your conduct or how you act and behave. Set an example in love. I said four, there's five. In faith and in purity. Set an example. See the example that Jesus sets before you. Follow that example and others will follow your example naturally. 
naturally. So don't look back and see who else following you. Get freaked out by that. Say, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. And that's going to create the example that we need to have. Well, I'm not going to be able to touch on everything. I wish I could. Um, I'll tell you. Another thing gets fired gets me fired up is is what we find in Matthew 28. Jesus says, "Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Don't just get people saved. Be with them through thick and thin. Take them through the lifelong process of following their Lord and Savior. Make disciples. That's the heartbeat of Jesus, and that should be the heartbeat of ours as well. There's this 16, 17, or 18-year-old girl that's given their testimony on a video that I watched once of the Dream Center out in L.A., and uh, she'd come off the streets, and she said, you know what? These people at the Dream Center, they're going to be with me my whole life. They're going to be with me my whole life, and it, it led me to realize, you know what? You don't give up on people because they trip once. You help them back up again, and you walk until they fall again, and then you get them back up again. It's a lifelong process of discipleship. And if we get the short-term mentality of ourselves or others, it's going to be a long lifetime. <laughs> but if we say, you know what, this is a marathon, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take people with me wherever we go. I'm taking people with me. I'm going to make disciples. I tell you what, that produces a lot of passion in me. Because you know what? People didn't give up on me. My God didn't give up on me. I'm not going to give up on people either. They can fall a billion times. And I'm going to be there with them to pick them back up again. Pick them back up again. But let's read this scripture at the beginning that you're wondering, why on earth, how does this have anything to do with passion? Matthew 18, 15, that we read at the very first, says, your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Don't go gossip about it. Don't tell everybody about it. Just talk to them directly. If they listen to you, you have won them over. All right? You have to be objective in this situation, though. It can't be just, you know... Something that just peeves you mildly. <laughs> you know, this is a big deal. Something big happens. So you, you got to be objective. you got to be caring and sincere in, pur- in purpose. But verse 16 says, But if, you, if they will not listen to you, take one or two others along with you and establish this matter of witnesses. And if they refuse to listen, then you tell it to the church. And you see the rest of it here. You know what? I've got to be really careful with this, all right? Because it could be misconstrued. It could be taken extremes. But, but hear me out. Um, I'm passionate about helping people overcome what's being, what they're being overcome by, okay? I'm passionate. If I see something that I can help somebody with about bringing it to their attention so that it doesn't go unnoticed. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is I've got blinders. I can only see this much, and I have these big old blind spots, and people, even in this church, have brought things to my attention that have opened up my eyes, that is, my parents, for instance, my wife, have brought to attention things that I didn't even see before. And so I need that, and I feel more and more passionate about that. Never forget a couple that was in our church. I thought they were brother and sister, um, but they were... Uh, they're living together, all right? And so the Bible's very clear about illicit relationships out of marriage. And so I finally figured out, oh, they're not brother and sister. And so I went directly to him. 
took him out to lunch, sat down, and uh, asked him about it. And uh, unfortunately, she was married. <laughs> like, literally, she was married. And I said, dude, <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the Bible's pretty open about that. And But how can I help you, you know, with this situation? Because I know it's kind of, you know, you, you're with somebody, you emotionally intertwined, and it's, it's hard to just break off. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't listen to me, and, and he left, and I've never seen him since. Uh, I did it very gently, lovingly. I wasn't, wasn't mean or anything. But if we see a big deal, it's important for us to lovingly, you know, communicate that. And I, I see three outcomes. I've seen three outcomes of this this scenario here, and we'll end with this. First of all, and this has happened more often than not, I explain what I see, and that's how you come to it. This is just what I'm seeing. If I'm wrong, tell me. I'm not coming in like, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're sinning. I'm not talking about that. You come in and say, this is just kind of what I see. And, and um, most often, the person, the people, the friends that I've talked to, they acknowledge it and or enlighten me because there's something that I didn't understand. And the situation is resolved, nine times out of ten. The second thing that I've seen is the person doesn't accept it, you know, what I've offered, and unfortunately takes off. I mean, there's, I don't know, that's just happened a couple of times, not very often. Here's the third one that I want you to consider. This is very, very important. They've listened and keep on listening, but the change takes a long time. The change takes a long time. And we need to remember that. Somebody can listen and not change right away, but we're patient. We're patient. And this has been just an eye-opening thing for me of how this works. If somebody's listening, keep loving, be patient, work closely, don't give up. They're listening. They're listening. And that brings a lot of enthusiasm to me because I know we're going to get there. We may not get there tomorrow, but we're eventually going to get there together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.